Welcome. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vincent Green. And I'm your host, Noel John Tui. And this is Invasion of the Poly Snatchers. Let's get to it, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right, no, we're back for another episode, and this is the second part of our three-part franchise Friday episode of uh, Invasion of the Poly Snatchers, where we take a look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all the installments, all nine, you know, if you can believe it. But um, so no, in the first episode we took a look at uh, part one to four, and now in the next one we're going to look at the, the mid two thousands reboot and the prequel to that reboot. Uh, the Reboot uh, starring Jessica Biel, Jessica. I want to say Jessica. Jessica Biel, isn't it? Not Jennifer. Jennifer yep. Biel is a different actor, isn't it? So yeah, Jan, Jessica Alba, as Sheila confused her for as well. The other day. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's a uh, Jessica Biel, who yeah. was actually excellent in this movie. I have to say, she doesn't Great get an awful lot of credit. Yeah, she didn't. She doesn't get an awful lot of credit for her acting. Quite often, she's slayed. But I actually thought she was excellent in this. I, I just really did. I thought it was an excellent performance by her. Yeah. So, like, in the terms of horror itself, uh, one thing that's always maligned, nearly without a shadow of a doubt, is a remake of a classic horror movie. We look at the Rob Zombie one, which is rightly so. We look at the Nightmare on M Street movie, rightly so. We look at the Friday 13 picture, and we're going to look at uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, both directed by Marcus Nispel. And I actually think both of them were very, very solid remakes. Like, like in comparison, I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, like in comparison, like to like in, in my opinion, I think it's actually nearly better than the original in terms of it actually being a movie. Like it's actually a better quality movie in terms of like it has more to it. Like obviously the original is more iconic and more landmark and the things that it did and open up all these doors for like almost like a grindhouse type store, uh grindhouse horror type style. But when you look at what the remake did, I think it was way more successful the many, many remakes and how it brought its franchise to life and how it took uh, aspects from the original, but it slightly uh, changed them. So it was not like rehashing the same story. It just took similar elements from the same story. Yeah. And, it, and I think it made Letterface way more ferocious, way less cartoon. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have that. Uh, the one thing we spoke about in the first part is the manic mouthpiece that they normally pair with Letterface. But this one uh, is Orly Ernie. Um, from like Full Metal Jacket, so like if you're gonna have a manic mouthpiece, he is like the creme de la creme of manic mouthpieces. So like, no, what did you think of this remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and how do you think it weighs up against other remakes of classic horror franchises? I I seen this before, but I it was I probably seen it when it came out. So you know, you're talking nearly twenty years. So crazy. to say it was fresh and yeah, of course, it's absolutely crazy. Twenty years next year, yeah. and uh, to say it's, it's yeah, it does seem just bizarre. But anyway, but to say that after watching them kind of everything up till this point, and then watching this one again, it it seemed to correct a lot of the wrongs. It was definitely Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a new generation. You know, it took a. It had characters that were characters, you yeah. know what I mean? They didn't need to talk too much. But Danny, like as soon as the, you see the van, they've got a pinata full of weed, and and you just think to yourself that they, they just they seem to be characters in it, and their relationships didn't need to be over explained. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, yeah, they're just like this is the part before they end up in the mouth of madness. Yeah, and I was just like, it just or even just from the get go before anyone is even slightly inconvenienced, everyone's actually in good form. They're going to a Leonard Skinner concert or something. Yeah, they're coming back from Mexico. That's it. Yeah, they're coming back from Mexico and they they want to go to see Leonard Skinner, and 
And I'm just like instantly, just before anything, before any, brum, 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 uh, I'm already kind of in. And uh, then I, but you're waiting for the, the thing to hit. And like, do they just run out of gas? And they're told they have to stay in town because they don't have any, or, or what is the thing that happens? And then the teenage girl, played by Lauren German, who would later go on to Lucifer fame. All right. Uh, I recognize her, uh, but I didn't place her, if you know what I mean. Oh, I just checked the cast here just, just because we yeah. were going to go on. I just checked the cast and says teenage girl Lauren German did not place her myself at all. So I'm not I can't claim that. But I, I thought uh and she just says you're all going to die and just shoots herself and then there's yeah. a great kind of camera scene through the hole in her head into the car and everyone loses their shit, vomiting yeah. out the door. And I was just like, Yes, this I feel like I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Like, like, this this is what I wanted. I wanted the, all of the the classicness of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but with some of the advantages that we have in modern day with uh, special effects, camera angles, sound quality, visual quality, and, uh, you know, a budget. But budgets don't just bring actors. Budget brings writers. Budget brings locations and stuff like that. And this film just seemed to have that. Yeah. It just seemed to be a, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think... I think especially because again a few disappointments along the way when I was when I was watching this one I was into it yeah. this was the one I probably enjoyed the most including the first and second but to yeah. be fair this one I hadn't seen like I've seen the first one to the point of I could never capture the magic of my first time watching that again I've seen yeah. it too many times and that's fine that's just the way it goes uh, but this one I have to say was the one that felt most like yeah, yeah. hook it up to my veins I really enjoyed it yeah I'm, I'm the same as you like I think that the 2003 movies uh, it, it, it captured to me what a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie should be like it was ferocious it was always on edge you have that moment of sheer terror that this woman's just like they're all dead they're all dead like and um don't bring me back this way and all this way. That part to me was a bit stupid. Going because, the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, because they meet, they just drove the same way that she was walking. So that part made no sense to me because she was walking in the same direction that they drove. They didn't turn around the van as far as I remember. They just literally picked her up and just keep driving and she was walking in the same direction or she walking in the opposite direction. I don't know. Was she walking towards them when they were driving up the road? I'm trying to even remember, I, but I, I don't... think she was walking away from them. Like, I don't know. But... But maybe she was walking. That's a good on. point. Yeah, that, that part annoyed me. I, I, it's actually annoyed me since I seen the movie the first time. I was like, wait, did they not just not drive in the same direction she was walking? But but apart from that, like the way they set up, because they take elements like we like I mentioned in the intro from the original, and they kind of just said uh, slightly change it. So you do you think you know what uh, you think you know what to expect? And then they change it. So it's kind of like a homage with at the same time, they're putting their own spin on it. So like in the original, we see uh, the, the crowd uh, from the first movie, Sally Franklin and the other two dudes. Uh, and I think it's another girl. They pick up one of the, the family and he cuts Franklin and all this shit. And uh, he takes the pictures. So on this one, they pick up a hitchhiker as well. But as you said, it was this like young girl. She's traumatized. And then all of a sudden she pulls a gun out. I don't know where. I don't know where she was keeping that gun. Like it seemed like inside That's, of herself. She was wearing like a summer dress kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and that she, was a she big gun. An awful, and it was a big old gun that she just pulled out and she went, you're all going to die. But you know what? Like there were, there were forgivable little things because I'll that, forgive that, that. Was, that. That was just such a great introduction to like you. There is just these things where uh, uh, you kind of think uh, that, that that mash thing that, that went around recently in, in light of what's going on in Ukraine and thoughts are with Ukraine and fuck Putin, bunker bitch, I hope he dies. But there is a, a, that, that, that war is worse than hell because hell is full of bad people. 
Yeah. And it, but you know, so they had just crossed over into a, a hell or a war or whatever you want yeah. to call it. They they were somewhere they did not need to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I couldn't get out of the isn't it? Yeah, exactly. As in I love when you're just watching it and, and the little uh sadist that the horror movie genre brings out when you is like that dude's definitely the first that's fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. What I what I loved about it is like they they're like you get into a situation where you're like she mentions they're all dead don't go this way you're going the wrong way so far she was so terrified to the point where she pulled a gun out and took her own life and now you have to try figure out the situation like one thing they didn't really ask the first question i would have asked and i said this to them was watching the rain was like i would have asked straight away is like where was she going to who's there yeah. what was she talking about why does she not want us to go in this direction they're all the questions that I would have asked immediately, and all they kept saying was, "Let's ring the, let's ring the cops." Like I'm not, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like the traumatized girl who's walking aimlessly on the road, who is terrified. I have before this van moves, I would like to know that I'm not going the direction of whatever it is has happened to you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's not even. That's self-preservation at a level that I'm not going to apologize for. Yeah. I would, of course, want to get the girl to safety. Yeah. But no part of you should be thinking, okay, like, yeah, yeah, sure, we have to go over like eight eight miles of open land where these people like to hunt their prey. But but like the hospital that way is five miles closer. Yeah. Take us two hours to go around the other way. Like literally, like if I was, uh, if I picked up a stranger and I'm driving like west, just say, and they go, they're all dead. Don't go that way. You're going the wrong way. I'd be like, pull on brakes. And I would just turn around to her and I'd be like, who's dead? And why should I go this way? Would be the very first things I'd say to her. Like, it's like, what are you talking about? Because even if she seemed co- yeah. incoherent, I'm like, okay, let's just spin around. Let's drive back in the other direction and let this woman tells her story even yeah. if it's insanity there's a reason she's saying these words there's oh god yeah you know what i mean like so i just think that what the, the the part that annoyed me the most about this movie is that they didn't ask enough questions about the situation and i know you could say maybe they were kind of placed in the situation before they could even ask questions but after the fact even they were like let's talk to the cops in this area this this young girl literally as you said like just walking wandering down the highway Probably like 90 or 100 degree we, uh, heat in, in um, Fahrenheit, you know, because they use that fake temperature over there. But um, yeah, it's a silly <laughs> temperature. Yeah. But uh, so I just think like there, there are questions I would have been asking or any kind of sane person would have been asking weren't really asked. And they straight away went into the area where she was like, don't go there. You're going the wrong way. And immediately they're like, eh, let's reach out to the cops. And then they go to the shadiest looking fucking petrol station. I've ever seen, and they're like completely obnoxious to that woman. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Garner knows. But that's it. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what happens. And then then she's like, oh, they want the the sheriff would be much obliged if you went to him. And they've got a dead body. I feel like we need to emphasize the fact that there's a dead teenage girl and and no cameras, not nobody to say that it wasn't you that did it. Yeah. Like at this point, you'd like the you know, you'd very much like the authorities come to you and the sheriff. No, you're not going to a police department or a police station. No, no, no. (laughs) You're going to the fucking absolute back arse of nowhere sawmill to a dilapidated yeah to a dilapidated sawmill and they'd be like yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Like that girl was absolutely terrified of something. She didn't specify what, but she didn't yeah. kill herself yeah. rather than go this direction. Anyway, let's go to the dilapidated sawmill. It's like, so I went to the shady place and they're directing me to another shady place. And this girl just mentioned yeah. everyone is dead. They're all dead. She executed herself. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to the like, you know what I mean? And like, I can, I can remember like Kemper, like, he just like he bows so quickly, the Jessica Beale's boyfriend, because he's like, I'm not going to drive around town with a fucking dead body in my car. Go, you have to go meet me someone, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, and the places they go, like, there's no way you would drive to any of those places. Like, maybe back in the day, people are a little bit more naive because set back in the 70s. Like, but there's no fucking way you're going to that song. But as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, all my right, god, no. Yeah, I would have dumped that girl's body so quick. Oh, there, there was that one little, the, the little scared shit, you know, uh, that was like, I mean, it's not that he wasn't making any sense. <laughs> you know, he was like, yeah. can we just go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it gets, it got to a certain uh, like point where it looked so, everything was about, the situation was so shady. Like, so fucking shady. Like, not none of it seemed on the up and up. Like, and then, like, when they go to the sawmill, they're waiting around for the sheriff. He doesn't show up for ages. And Jessica Beals, and, and uh, I can't remember her character's name, but her and Kemper decided to fucking, oh, let's just start scoping out farmhouses to see if we can ring the sheriff. Like, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know. Sometimes the level of trust in this movie just didn't make sense. Like, and then when they go up to the farmhouse and that dude comes out who looks like he eats babies, like, and they immediately trust him. <laughs> like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, or the little kid with the teeth. Is that what you're talking about? Or... No, I'm talking about the dude, uh, the double amputee in the wheelchair, the old dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. And yeah. he's just like, he's just a ray of fucking sunshine. Just yeah. fucking. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there were so many things. Like, there were so many red flags. On, but it does question, like, you want to go, like, there was, uh, I can't think, he was played by Balf, Eric Eric Balfour, uh, Kemper. But he was, he did, like, want to get the fuck out of there sometimes. And it just, like, had those scenes where he just looks over at the girlfriend who in this case is Erin Jessica Beale. Yeah. And uh, she just gives him that we're doing right by this girl. You know, we're not leaving her. And then he's yeah. just like, fuck. Yeah. And I think a part of him was like, I'm definitely getting killed out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was he so hot though? Like, you know, that's it. She's just, yeah. she's just too beautiful to not listen to. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was the situation that he found himself in. I just thought it was ridiculous but, uh, though. When uh, Kemper lets her go in the house by himself, by, by herself, there's no way you're ever letting your girlfriend go in that house by yourself. No way. Like, as I said, that dude looks like he eats babies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think certain parts about it, because it went for really intense realism at times, some of the decision making in it was very stupid. It was a very, it was like that. It was kind of like off putting at times, some of the decision making in it, but the tone it went for, how intense it was from like the minute the girl kills herself, it just like amps everything up. Then they have that little lull, but as soon as Orly Ernie shows, shows up and Kemper follows uh, Jessica Beale into the house, that's when shit really starts going down. So, like, oh yeah. I think from then onwards, the film really stays at 19. It really holds its pace well. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it 100% does. And it, it, you did feel like you knew when the action was coming. You yeah. started to project it. it like, you started to feel it in your bones. And I always think that that's always a really good sign for a film when it yeah. knows what it's doing, that um, you, if you're an aficionado, that it feels like it's happening. Because they start to slowly like branch out. And that's how a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre starts. Yeah, somebody branches out and somebody ends up somewhere where they absolutely should not end up. Yeah, and then somebody lies to somebody about what's going on, and before their suspicions can reach full peak, it's already too late. 
And this yeah. film did that, I think, in a really, like, really graphic, really grotesque kind of way. Yeah. Like, it took full advantage of the, what we could do with ballistic gel and, you know, bear traps and corn syrup and all that kind of stuff. It had, it was, it was just very much so if, uh, if um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was made 30 years later. Like, they did do a good job of showing you what yeah. that fella would be. Yeah, like a, a big budget. It's kind of like what uh, it, it, it did. Well, obviously not the same acclaim, but the It remake by um, Andy Machete uh, was, what if we took the, the premise of Pennywise and we put today's technology and today's budget on top of that storyline and what, how would it be? Uh, how yeah, would it yeah something that was made for TV in 1990 yeah. versus something that's made with a blockbuster budget in 2017 is yeah. dramatic. Yeah, exactly. Very, very dramatic. And, and like, and... Um, I think they did like the similar thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. They're just like, let's look at the gritty realism of the first one and let's put a kind of like a coat of paint over it and see. Oh, if yeah. The, yeah. You know, and as you said, they, they had fun with technology, the special effects, the gore, like um, just like in the original, uh, the the final girl, Sally, who's uh, replaced by Aaron in this. I don't know why they just didn't call her Sally as well. Like, you know, but um, uh, her boyfriend is the first kill. Apart from you know the girl executing herself or killing herself, um, yeah, is uh, is a Kemper. What you make of that kill where your man calls him out? Like that's the kind of the thing, isn't it? With the terrifying thing about this is the anticipation letter face when your man starts hitting the fucking floor with his walking stick, and you know shit's about to come down and that fucking wall peels back. Like what you think of the oh. introduction of Leatherface in this movie? Yeah, it, it, it definitely had the he's arrived kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there was build up to it, a literal beat, drum beat to yeah. kind of build him into it. And then he shows up and he's he's what you want him to be. He's just gargantuan. He's, yeah. And, and, and there's no talk. There's no banter. There's no like, ah, you've discovered my lair, Mr. Bond. Very, very fast. Yeah. And, and then it's just, he absolutely destroys him. And yeah. it's uh, frenzied. You know, it's so frenzied. It's so, um, it's almost... Like he, he's not all of the way to, as cold as Michael Myers, but yeah. he's not satirical like like Freddy either. But he just he he beats you to death in a way that looks real. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. He just beats with anything to hand, chainsaw, bare hands, all good. Yeah, all good. He just, just makes your meat, your meat, your cattle that's got out. Yeah, and I've, I have to, I I'm trying to get home for half five. So yeah. I'm doing this as I'm doing this as expediently as I can. And he was like that all of the way through, and I thought it was great. It's one of the best things about Leatherface when anyone comes up against him in hand-to-hand combat that looks so outmatched in comparison to him. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. He's so terrifying close-up. That's like something I said in the last episode. He's such an up-close killer that, like, once Leatherface... Because the chainsaw itself is such an impractical weapon, something we talked about um, talked about before was that he can be kind of like... He can fuck with a chainsaw in many different ways, realistically. But, like, to have a guy... And we talked about on our horror movie uh, weapon episode pair of anchors with beige Benford from Return to Critics that the chainsaw is kind of like wheeler dependent and when you have that guy like the fucking size of him the the, the immenseness of that dude that uh, played Leatherface in 2003 and when you put him up against normal looking men and normal sized dudes even though Kemp, the guy you play Kemper is a pretty big enough dude and so is the blonde uh, the blonde guy that gets his leg cut off and he gets hung on the meat hook later on it's just that when you're put beside Leatherface in a one-on-one situation it just he, the immensity of the situation that like he's just brute force like in the same way Michael Myers is like pure force of nature in the terms of like he's precision killing he'll always keep constantly coming forward if you're he marks a target on your back 
no matter what, he's going to keep coming out uh, forward. But Leatherface is like brute force brought to life. As you said, as soon as he lays hands on you, it's game over. He's going to beat you to death. Like the only way you yeah. get to the white Leatherface is fleeing him. It's not by beating him. You have to flee him. Yeah. And even just that, you know, the whole, it'd be very, for us, like we talk to talk and we say, like, God, if I had to defend myself, of course I would. Uh, or if I if somebody hurt my family, of course I'd, I'd come after them like hell itself. But it's very hard to just take a lump hammer and just cave someone's face in three or four five. Like the brain, the viscera, it's all happening, and you're just hitting, hitting, hitting. Like it's absolutely nothing to you. Like Leatherface was just you're nothing. You're you're a bag of meat that needs to be shut down. That's all he yeah. sees you as, and it's very hard to fight something that's like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, you take a knife and you go, don't come any closer. He doesn't take a knife and say it doesn't come any closer. He takes a knife and he cuts you from sternum to throat. Yeah, like, and then he's that, and then just walks right through you, and then just walks right through you, and and you know, and, and he won't give you another toss. You just go down, and you're just amongst his collection. Like yeah. he, he does not care what he'll never find out what your name is. He'll never have any. And to fight something like that is a truly terrifying prospect. And I think that's when horror is done right. And I'm sure, of course, because we're fanboys, when and he tried to try to remake a property, it almost entirely falls apart. But I actually thought on re, I don't, I'm not sure how I felt about it originally. Um, but um, upon rewatching, I thought that this this was a really really good effort at revamping the franchise because it had. All of that. The things that got right outweighed the things that got wrong. And something that got right for me was Letterface. 100% Letterface is terrifying in this movie. It's terrifying. Terrifying in this movie. Yeah. And that's that's why I've said many times that like Letterface kind of became a little bit cartoonish. Or like as the original four went along. Like in the first movie, he's terrifying. But in the second one, he's slightly more cartoonish and so on and so forth. It became more of a a caricature of himself. And he lost that kind of like ferocity that he had in part one. That like that's that fucking single mode where he just, as you said, he just like cut a person from fucking like sternum to your chest without like without even thinking about it. Like you know, and just cut right through you. And yeah. I think this film did that. It really showed you what he can do once he's unleashed. Just kind of like he's a sleeping giant. He's just doing his thing. You know, probably killing animals, killing things, and just skinning them and taxidermy. You get the impression it doesn't. He doesn't seem to differentiate all that much yeah. between a person and a pig or yeah. something. You know what I mean? It's something that we do. Like, oh, no, a human being, how terrible it is. Uh, but we wipe out animals in their tens of thousands. And he does not have that capacity. Or maybe he's right <laughs> or something. Yeah. You know, like, it's that's the twisted thing about it. <laughs> do, you, do you think as well, like, in this movie, like, so we, we see... The kind of the gang split up now, and now we kind of see the two essential antagonists. So we kind of see Harley, Ernie, um, like like him fucking tormenting all the people oh. that are left at the van. That the, the dude when he's making him put like uh, making him reenact the this. Yes, when he first shows going up, in the mouth and everything. Yeah, when he first shows up, he's so sketchy. He gets the girl's body, puts it in the boot, gets gets them to put her in the boot of the car. As soon as that happened, I would have driven away. Like, oh my the, god, Jack. yeah, like I'm like, okay, this dude is not legit. I'm out here. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He was great. Can we just take a second to appreciate? Yeah, he's because we had the kind of. We had uh, we had uh, Matthew McConaughey chewing up the scenery, which I'm not I'm not sitting on. But like when he showed up, he had what the talky yeah. like he had this twisted maniacal thing of his own. But yeah. he didn't seem like this smooth talking anything. He was he insisted on being an authority figure. Yeah, he just insisted upon himself enough that he kind of had it and uh but he was just so good in that role he was so good in that role yeah he was such a like he was so dark he was just he just showed up and he was 
emanated evil yeah. the second he saw yeah. <laughs> yeah, one thing I loved about it as well was the instead of actually having him share too many scenes with Netherface, they actually used him when Netherface was kind of the lulls in between the big gory scenes. So yes. what they did was they used Arlie Ernie to apply the pressure when Netherface was off screen. And I thought that was really clever because it actually uh, kept the intensity up. So even when you don't have Leatherface smashing Kemper to death, or you have don't have him chasing people down with a chainsaw, you have him terrorizing people in a completely different way. And it keeps... Oh, yeah, he was up, he know? was doing it on this kind of mental level. Yeah. Like, he was absolutely... Tar- like, Leather Leatherface doesn't hate you yeah. at all. He doesn't feel... You know, he, he's completely... Non- you're not family. He so nothings you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothings. Yeah, you're not family, so you're meat. So, and, you know, it's best to turn you into meat before you get away because then he'll have to chase you and that's going to be a whole thing yeah uh so yeah so he just turns it to me but the the, the sheriff he enjoys it and yeah. I, I thought of uh Vigo morrison's the match mcconaughey's and these are all different films to people who are just tuning into this one podcast yeah. uh but this but um he was the one that just he was a, the family man and yeah. he just hated outsiders yeah, uh, he was. He was just. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't speak highly enough of him in this movie. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, Anne Jessica Biel. Sorry, it's just the girl gets the girl gets slated a lot. Would be it right or wrong? The girl has taken a lot over for being a bad actress or whatever. Yeah. And just in this one, as a final girl, as a kick-ass, the desperation, the, the running, the bravery, the running back in to save yeah. her friends instead of running away. I just yeah. bought it. I just thought she did a real good job. And yeah, I know. Like, I have to give her credit for it. Yeah, she's one of the ma- ma- uh, the major strengths of the movie because, like, the the rest of the cast get cut down pretty quickly as you go. Like, uh, there's a section mm. of the movie where they build, and then a lot of killing happens in a short period of time. Like, uh, the girl gets brought back to the house, but the other dude, like, he gets locked away in the basement. Kemper's already dead. The the blonde dude uh, gets his leg cut off when he when they go looking back into the house for Kemper, and he comes across Leatherface. He tries to fight him with a tire. That whole scene's kind of stupid. Like, he's lying on the ground. <laughs> Why does he just get off? He's just like, there's a dude, like, I, I'm just going to say, right, if there's a dude in the wheelchair trying to prevent me from doing something, I'm lying down, just stand up and topple over the wheelchair and take the thing off him like, I just didn't yeah. understand I just didn't understand that scene because like he's lying on the ground and Leatherface the dude is thumping on the ground and the wall opens he's still lying on the ground he only moves and, when the chainsaw starts like I'm glad that we're finally exposing to the world our hatred of people in wheelchairs <laughs> fuck that man too, too long they've had <laughs> no I'm just saying like that dude like, he could have easily gotten a back from but like, but, like uh, I just think that um <laughs> Uh, I can't even remember my initial point, but like uh, <laughs> that you you hate people in wheelchairs. Like, sorry, continue. Uh, but, dude, I used to work <laughs> with a company that manufactured wheelchairs. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you could you could sabotage. Shit, impose good, good, good. Timestamp. But um, yeah, no. Like, I think like with the way the cast gets killed off kind of quickly or, or immobilized the movie um relies massively on the strength of jessica beale as a final girl for a large portion of it and she didn't let us down once she gets covered in gunk muck blood she gets almost killed several times she gets chased down she puts in a real like i, I think a real top-notch final girl performance because it's there's a lot of physicality to it like a lot of physicality to the role she put in and she was believable the entire time. And it's like you said, there was a part where she was about to leave and she realized her friend's still there and she could help her and she goes back in the house. So like the stakes were always there for her character and she conveyed them very convincingly for me. 
throughout the movie and the second half of the movie most of the narrative relies on her because as I said either her friends are either being killed or incapacitated at this stage like so the big and she has a lot of big scenes in the second half of the movie and I think she does well in all of them so I think mm-hmm. like one, one one thing that really bugged me about this movie and it bugged me about uh, the friend uh, Friday the 13th remake with uh, Jared Padalecki um, is that why do you kill uh, Jason Voorhees in that movie and why do you cut off Leatherface's arm in this why is anybody trying to weaken these characters or trying to make them seem more human well, like that makes yes. no sense to me just have her escape him like he should not inflict any harm on him as I said to you you should not be able to beat him you should not even be able to compete with him on a physical level the only no. way you survive hell or fuck you I keep trying to call him hellface the only reason- you're trying you're, you're, you're yeah I know but no but you you did it once and now it's yeah. in part <laughs> yeah. of your brain that won't yeah, exactly. stop doing it so I, the only way I think you should be able to survive uh, Letterface is if you flee from him. And um, I just think that he should not be able to uh, really inflict any harm on him because he's supposed to be so physically immense. And I think that was the major, major issue with the climax of this um, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the reason I mentioned it with the Friday 13th is because both are directed by Marcus Nispel. So I don't know why he did that. Maybe to try to humanize these characters, but why try and humanize these things that are supposed to be the personification of evil, unstoppable evil, like the living manifestation of death or whatever. Just this brute force that you can't stop. All you can do is get away from. And I think that I did like when she used the red herring as a pig. Yeah. Put it in one of the lockers, and then the pig was making a bit of noise, and Letterface took that to be. Yeah. But then she 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 came out and hit him with like it was a meat cleaver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like if you had a chainsaw, like I mean, the chainsaw again. We've talked about the inefficiency of a chainsaw as a weapon. If you have a weapon, but yeah. like if you know, if you if you if you're standing there, somebody goes out to your chainsaw, you're in an awful lot of trouble. But yeah, like you said, he's this towering thing. You'd get one, you'd get two hits in on him with, and you'd fuck him up. But yeah. you're not taking his arm off. Yeah, you're especially not, her. You're not taking his arm. Yeah, like she's a a petite woman in desperate dire straits and she doesn't have any like this guy would know would take a knife and he would know how to separate your arm yeah. or separate your shoulder yeah. because you know you're no different than this is what he does like you know yeah and so, yeah of course it was a bit silly but it was just this film had some great gore like the guy just yeah. hung on the b-hook and then chopped in half or yeah. chopped across and it's it's like he struggles a little bit to get through the spine yeah, and that's just like people being reduced to meat. I thought this film did that really well. Yeah, and people stepping in bear traps and stuff. Like that. So, yes, so do you know when you talk about uh, people being reduced to meat, and the reason they have this fascination with meat is that in we see in the follow up to this movie, two thousand six prequel, that the Hewitt family used to all work in a slaughterhouse. The slaughterhouse was shut down. And then the town kind of ostracized them slightly. Then they turned on the remnants of the town and slowly took over the ruins of the town that they lived in. So what did you make of the the, the follow-up from this? I thought I shared the tone perfectly. Yes. They fit together so nicely, I thought. The introduction of Sheriff Help Brother out here. Um, his real um, name was Charlie, but he changed his name to Hoyt. Hoyt um, was, I thought, excellent. That scene, as he says, you know, yeah, because you know, the Letterface obviously kills his boss that's well, former boss, because he's you know, throwing him out his job. And honestly, like that plant gave him something to do, and it kind of like kept the demons at bay, I guess. Mm. And uh, he kills him, and then the cop goes, Look, we're going to arrest him, and he brings him with him, and then he gets out of the car with a shotgun and says, Sheriff, I think we have a problem. 
blows his brains <laughs> and, then just, and then takes his badge and I just thought nice yeah that that was nice like that was a nice and especially when it's retroactively introducing a character that's already been introduced yeah because they've gone like they've gone just back just before two years or whatever before the 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 events of the 2003 film um and i just thought that was that was really really cool i really did and i thought the sheriff was such the sheriff is probably my favorite non-letterface character yeah, yeah, no, he was. You know, like, uh, I think like his like the manic mouthpiece, like, but early Ernie, um, uh, there's so many times where those films could have lulled, and as as I said to you about the last movie, he just keeps it up that intensity constantly, like constantly, like when Leatherface is not cutting people up, there's a lot of times where those other the sequence to Text Chainsaw Massacre kind of dip and lose your interest a little bit when he's not on screen wielding that chainsaw. But he just keeps it up. It's like, you said, sure, we've got a problem. And as soon as he says it, he executes the dude. He doesn't even, like, give him a chance to respond or anything. Like, no. he's, like you know, he's every bit as much as a killer as Letterface. Like, maybe even more so, because as you said, he enjoys it more, you know? Oh, he does, yeah. No, the Letterface was something, uh, like, anatomically, you know, genetically, whatever, wrong. Yeah. He doesn't have the capacity. The sheriff is obviously able to get to like 50, 55 years of age, living in society, dealing with people on a regular basis and hide it. And that's the difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when you have, when you go for an insane defense, that's why Ed Gein was able to get one. That's why it's so actually hard to do because you have to not understand the difference between right or wrong. The sheriff understands it. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Leatherface doesn't understand it. Yeah, Leatherface is going to do whatever the sheriff or whatever anyone that he holds not a regard of authority is telling him to do. Exactly, because you know? he yeah. knows his limitations. That he he's not the he doesn't plan things out. You know, yeah, he doesn't he have nothings, the capacity to. He nothing. Yeah, things, he nothings. Like, yeah, mm. like you know, I I can like, I tell you one thing. If I'm working in any shop or any job, and someone says to me, "Hey, can you tell that dude he's fired and he's over there just cutting up piles of meat, looking into the distance, not saying a word to anybody?" <laughs> like. <laughs> This plant's already closed down. What's he going to do? Fire you? <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be like, dude, so that's the, uh, What are you going to do? Double fire me. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I'd be yeah, like, yeah. dude, let's shut down the plant for a minute. Let's just see what happens. Because I'm not going yeah. to over talk to him. I'm not talking to this dude. I've avoided him every day of work since I started here. <laughs> I'm not going to go near that guy. He's like aimlessly no. chopping up me for hours. Dude, that yeah. guy hasn't spoken in weeks. You want me to tell <laughs> you want me to do I've never even seen that dude eat. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This dude spends all day around food and he has never once eaten. No, yeah. no, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not again, not, not for a job that you've you've already lost. No, I yeah. thought he was just absolutely uh yeah, of course that was also a great scene. And it was a great first death for the boss. I thought that was a good, absolutely violent proper kind of texas chainsaw massacre death i thought this kind of did it i think this is what i wanted when texas chainsaw gets brought to the new age that they're able to delve more more angles more kind of cinematography to the actual violence of it and 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 these two films back to back did actually a really good job of this like if it was possible to really build something off the back i think these job these two did a decent job of it i really do and i maybe it just wasn't to be more so than anything else um, but... Do you think it's a case of a snake eating its own tail where the fan base was 
so fervent in not accepting these two movies in place of their beloved original that they actually really fucking cost themselves what seemed to be a very strong little mini franchise within an already existing franchise. It was growing. It had its own identity, had its own style, had its own level of gore. It had all high stakes. It explained the backstories of this family in a way no other Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie did. It had a really strong cast. It had like Jordana Brewster in the sequel. She kind of replaced um, Jessica Biel as the as the final girl and you got to keep a lot of the same elements all the same cast the family came back like so like i don't understand why these movies didn't actually spawn more because they're yes. so good they actually really are they're like seven or eight out of ten horror movies like they really are think about like all the stupid uh, decisions aside sometimes horror characters make stupid decisions just because they have to be put in those situations where would horror be without stupid decisions people it, running upstairs it'd be thrillers It'd be thrillers. So like sometimes you have to take away the intelligence of some of these characters to put them in these situations that you normally would never find yourself in. And that's what horror is. All right. But like when you look at take away a couple of the stupid decisions these characters make, as we said, these movies are so fucking solid. Like they're terrifying the whole way through. Leatherface is like uh like the physicality he can bring, the way he wields the chainsaw, where he like that we touched upon the blonde who's running away. And he just kind of fucking flings that chainsaw at him and he cuts his leg off. Actually, no, sorry, you know, he meets that. That's actually in the Netflix one where he flings the chainsaw, but he he cuts that dude's leg off and he just grabs him. This is like a dude's like six foot, six foot two, probably weighs like 14, 15 stone, maybe, maybe less. And he carries him like he's a child and just puts him on a meat hook like he's a shank. And like yeah, just they... the immenseness of the letter face in these two movies. And like, and I just think that when you see the breeding ground he came from, the like I know he's not like their actual son, but you can you see the environment he grew up in, and you can see why he's the way he is, and like they didn't try to humanize the character, but they gave us a, no. a kind of a, a view through the window of how that this he never had a chance. Yeah, never had a chance, and how he could but that be... doesn't justify the monster he became, but he never had a chance. Yeah, and I just like the way that this showed that how a monster like that can be created. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oftentimes it takes other monsters to create a true monster, you know? And I think that's the case with this family that the, the real monster really is already Ernie and everybody else kind of follows his lead and they become monsters themselves because he's the one that changes them to cannibalism. He's the one that starts getting them to murder people and covering up murder. He's the one that starts to slowly take over the town and starts this thing like we never go hungry again, that kind of thing. So I think he's kind of the propeller and Leatherface is the ship, you know, that kind of thing. Like, so he's constantly directing it, but the course of action is often carried out by Leatherface. So like, and that's the, that's the situation. So like, I think that's why these two movies are actually really good in my opinion, because you have all these different elements to bring the gore, the horror alive or whatever. And you still have all these really cool characters that they do fill us in and they give us their motives in a way that the other Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies didn't really do. Like, Yeah, that's true. It, it did seem more three-dimensional, didn't it? Mm. Um, actually, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D coming right up. Yeah. Um, but it did. It did seem to It did seem to have the storyline and it just seemed, without taking away from the maniacal and just inexplainableness of, of it, yeah. the twistedness of it. And I yeah. think it did a really good job balancing it. And I think when a horror movie does a good job balancing the evil, the bad versus yeah. the good, like like Jessica Biel, like she was just a conscientious character. Yeah. Like it didn't matter what was going on. She, if she could save her friend, she was simply going to. 
Yeah. And with the bad guys, they were twisted. Yeah. And they had a way of doing things. And absolutely nothing was going to stop them. Then you had Letterface, who they just finally just met what he is. He wasn't a pervert like he was in the second film. Yeah. uh, Where he's falling in love with a would be victim or anything. Wear makeup and shit. Yeah, wearing makeup and stuff. Uh, uh, But that he was just, just, somebody who liked to experiment with, with with flesh yeah uh so yeah no i do i think i think it succeeded on three fronts and i do think that the snake eating his own tail thing mm. i think it was doomed to failure because people don't know when they have a good thing yeah they don't they, they don't and you know you don't yeah you you go in wanting to hate it. and if it's not exactly what you expect yeah like the first film didn't have to be exactly what you wanted to expect because you yeah. didn't know what to expect and you don't every sequel does never has that same safe point where people yeah. go in and say oh i don't know what to expect you kind of do you yeah. kind of already got a bias and i thought this film tried its best on so many fronts and landed on so many fronts and the only things i pick apart are quite silly things so mm. i actually thought the acting i thought the story i thought the introduction of the good characters and the bad yeah. characters i thought the deaths were excellent i thought they were grotesque i thought it was true to the, to the initial perversion like the tea lady yeah, you know, like she's just sitting there in the middle, like, and she's a real large woman, and she's like real pleasant and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it had the whole twisted Manson family thing down yeah. as well. I like, so, yeah, I, I, I liked in the prequel too the way they kind of had it in the backdrop of the Vietnam War. You had a guy that was trying to dodge the draft, and they bring that in as well. Yes, and like I love the the guy who plays like Matt Bloom or someone that plays him. That like when he that's, keeps, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, he keeps calling Artie Army a pussy, and he goes. Uh, you go, oh, you think I'm a pussy? You don't want to play with me no more? When my my nephew Tommy, he ain't no pussy. He'll play uh, like you know. And he's like, yeah, maybe uh, you could play with him for a minute. Yeah, yeah that yeah. that scene was terrifying when he starts stripping the skin off him and all that shit. Like you know, so and that, and that, that was proper torture horror. Yeah, that was proper torture horror. Yeah, like yeah, that, unabashed. That, and like even the anticipation of what what was to come next when he goes like. My nephew Tommy, like he, he ain't no pussy. You want to play with him? Like that's terrifying as well. And that's that's the good of having someone like an Orly Ernie in there, where you can just is it Orly Ernie or it is Orly Ernie? It's not Lee Ernie, but Orly Ernie. Yeah, but I can't believe he was named that by people who love him. <laughs> yeah, but like to have him in that scene, it gives the kind of extra gravitas to lines like that. And um, but like uh, what I really liked about the prequel was it's it set up the other movies so nicely because. It showed you all the motives like we spoke about, but also we finally got to see a final girl not get away, that she got butchered. Like, you think she's about to get away Jordana Brewster. She's driving up to, like, cops or something. They're, like, a checkpoint. And then all of a sudden you see fucking Netherface's chainsaw burst out to the back of the chair and she gets, like, fucking gnarled to death in the front seat. Like, so we don't get to see it all. Oh, that was the, and the thing I, I remember going into this film, because I couldn't really recall much of it, yeah. was that because this was a prequel and because the sheriff, is in his position in yeah. the 2003 film, which would be the sequel technically. Yeah. And because Letterface is there and he's unharmed and all of this kind of jazz, yeah. that everyone in this film is fucked. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And that's you know, the they're, they're, they're the guys that wandered. They're the guys like, you know, like uh, Dutch and his team and Predator go in to find Hopper. and they're all hanging from trees. Hopper. Yeah. 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 They're all hanging from trees. And yeah. this was the, they're all hanging from trees. Uh, yeah. film and I, lo- I love that as well because yeah. I love the fact that I didn't have any hope for any of them yeah and I like the way and, as well the temptation might be to have about the family of the blonde girl from the street uh, the road and not not having that because you would have known they all would have died and I thought 
this was cool because they really did play with you because you, you kind of don't put the puzzle pieces together until you see Jordana Brewster die and you're like, oh, of course they all had to die because for all the reasons yeah. you just said, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's one thing I liked about it. They really played with the idea of that there is actually, they're going to be a survivor and then you're going to be like, oh, wait. then you might have asked a few questions at the end, but then the fact that they killed her, I thought it was cool because normally you don't get to see the bad guys win in a horror movie and this time the fucking bad guys won, which is something that you don't really get to see a lot of. So that's kind of cool. Like, um, but what did you think before we get the fuck out of here? What do you think of these two movies as a package compared to the first uh, four movies? I think they're aging extremely well. I yeah. really do. I think they're what they the the third and fourth movie kind of wish they were. Um, I think the first first and second movie, nobody would. They are what they were. They are what they were meant to be. Yeah. Uh, one was a bit more tongue in cheek, and that was purpose, like you said. That I had to look it up. I I, I didn't want to talk over you. You said the Breakfast Club. I didn't yeah. know they had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, yeah. like the Breakfast Club. Yeah, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. They did. Yeah. And uh, so they were, they were self-aware. And I think with the third and fourth, I think what they were going for was what to the 2003, 2006 captured. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the violence and the grotesqueness and the storytelling and the acting, uh, it wasn't, it was just the right amount of hammy that I wanted yeah without going over it and they introduced they made me afraid of Letterface again yeah as opposed to a very kind of camped down over I don't know I, he got he got very silly in three and four he really, yeah, really did that's what I'm saying he got uh, and, and uh, Matthew Bergani and Viggo Mortensen became the mis- and the two actually yeah, to, yeah. think of it two, two doesn't escape that 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 critique at all yeah um, uh, a Letterface that falls in love no yeah I think that what the sentence you just mentioned is the perfect uh uh uh, uh, me of these two movies it made you be afraid of Leatherface again it made Leatherface scary again like it showed yeah. to me what Leatherface really could be and something I've said a lot about these movies is that it actually I think it's the best iteration of Leatherface because he is so physically fucking like I, he outmatches everybody like, no matter yeah, he's a Hulk he, yeah he's, he's, he's a Hulk and monster in this and like and that's what annoys me the most about the way the climax of the 2003 movie was that she should not have been able to harm him because the whole movie is the cat and mouse thing where like the mouse is never going to be able to harm a cat. The only way it can get away, uh, survive a cat is by getting away from him, escaping him. And I think she could have easily escaped Leatherface in the 2003 movie without causing him any harm. And you could have had the exact same kind of right, uh, roundup. Um, the way she kills Arlie Ernie, all these kind of things. Even though I felt a little bit drawn out, she could have just escaped. And I think the reason we got we had a prequel instead of a sequel is because they kind of wrote themselves into a hole a bit by cutting off Leatherface's arm, killing Arlie Ernie's character. And I think they recognized their mistake, and that's why we saw a prequel. But um, I'd say you're right to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah they, they had something there, and they were like, "Well, you know what? We'd only have to go back a year or two, and yeah. we could, you know." Yeah, exactly. And, and um, did, yeah. yeah, so and I think that might be another mistake. Maybe they should have gone back a little bit further and then you could have had another prequel that's in the meantime, you know, that kind of thing. You could have had another installment because they made the, the time frame or timeline a little bit too tight. Um, maybe bring it back 10 years and then you can have an intermediate intermediate movie in between the original, you know, that kind of way in terms of the timeline, you could constantly keep filling in the gaps of what this family were up to, uh, up to before the Jessica Biel movie. And I think that's the mistake. Maybe that's why, and maybe that's why you did decrease this longevity in the terms of this iteration of uh, text chainsaw massacre is that maybe once or twice they wrote themselves into holes or into a corner and they just couldn't figure a way of getting out of it. And that's why we kind of had this kind of requel um, with Alexa Daddario that we're going to talk about in the next episode. But um, so no, awesome. 
before we get the fuck out here, do you have anything else you want to say about these two movies? No, I like the way they went brum, 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 more than three and four went brum, 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 brum. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm the same as you. I like a lot of brum, 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 brum when I'm uh, talking about chainsaws. So, like, mainly brum, 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 brum has to be, like, a pivotal part of the movies. Like, don't give me a Texas Chainsaw Massacre if you're not going to have at least 20% of brum, 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 brum on the screen throughout yeah. the 90-minute runtime. That's all I'm saying. That's, all, that's saying. all we're saying. Yeah, that's all we're saying. All, all we are saying is give Brom 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 a chance. <laughs> give Chainsaw a chance. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm the same as you. I think they're a little bit underappreciated, but I can see uh, why they didn't have more movies. Yeah. because. And you know what? I've been a part of the problem more than I've been a part of the solution with yeah. this fanboy horror thing. So I'm not yeah. trying to fucking, yeah. you know, rain on anyone's parade. It's just when you look at these things retroactively. Yeah, I think, yeah. So, so before we get the fuck over, I think it's not just the fan base, but I think also maybe the writers themselves might have actually limited the, the lifespan of the franchise by certain creative decisions they made. And I think yeah. maybe it's a bit of both. And it's a pity because this iteration of Text Chains and Masquerade I think is the best overall. So um, before we get the fuck out of here, I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Noel John Dewey. And that was Invasion of the Poly Snatchers. And that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning from 2006. See you next time, folks. Peace. Shh. Let's go.